Welcome back to Epilogues, an unpacking of the weekly of Torah. You are listening to Rabbi Yaakov Trump, and we are learning Parshas Noach. The Torah of Parshas Noach can be found in Yeshayahu Perak Nundalad, the entire Perak, and leading to Perak Nunay Pasuk Hey. It's worthwhile noting that this is also the combination of the Torah of Parshas Re'e and Kisetze put together, famously the known as Roni Akara and Ania Soara. Those are the two that are put together to be the Haftarah of Noach. Let's take a look at this and try to understand why it is the format of the Parsha's Noach. So the first section runs from Perak Nun Dalid, Pasuk Aleph, to Pasuk Yud. In this section, we hear about a, a very beautiful prophetic description of the expansion of either Jerusalem or Israel, Rani Akara, this barren woman who beforehand was not able to have children that these children your children are going to crowd around you you will be blessed with children you're going to it's going to be so blessed that you're going to have to keep expanding the place of your tent because there's going to be much more space needed to be able to encompass everybody. And there's going to be this expansion, explosion outwards to the right, to the left, to the left, and all these barren cities will be established and settled in. Um, and then there's going to be this point where you're not going, no longer going to be embarrassed. You're no longer going to be scared. You're no longer going to remember the days of your barrenness. You won't remember those days. Why? Because you've been called in. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says you should know that but it was for one small moment that I left you behind. That I left you abandoned. But I'm bringing you back with much, much mercy. HaKadosh Baruch Hu describes that it was just a a, a a moment from you I hid myself, but for eternal chesed I'm bringing you back, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says. And finally, the end of the section, Hashem now references our parsha, Kimei Noach Zois Li. The waters of Noach are to me. Just as I said, and I committed, says Hashem, not to destroy the world. After Noach, so too I committed never to destroy the nation of Israel because the mountains will be melted and the the, the hills will falter. But I will never abandon you and my covenant with you. That's the first section. Very, very powerful, very beautiful. As with most of Yeshayel, you don't really need to even go into the Mephoshim just to appreciate the poetic beauty of his words. But a few basic points to ponder. Who is this image in the Akara of this, of this barren woman? So the Mephoshim... Um, really debate this. As an example, Ibn Ezra says it refers to um, Israel itself. It refers to the, the nation of Israel. Knesset Israel is this barren lady. Why? Because our time Shema'at Mispar Yisrael. That over time, Jews have been very few. And they've always been perennially a minority in wherever they go. And they're not, they never really expand too much. And they're killed and they're persecuted and they assimilate. But there's going to come a time where there's going to be this explosion and this continued growth. The Babanel says that it refers to Yerushalayim, and that's why not just Yerushalayim, but all the cities around Yerushalayim which will expand. Jerusalem will be bigger than then at the times of Shlomo Melech and the base of Mig- times of the base of Migdash. And we see this today where Jerusalem keeps growing and growing and growing, and all these Arim uh, Neshamois, these desolate cities are being resettled now, the blessing of what we're able to see in our time. 
The army said it could refer to not just the nation of Israel, not to just to Jerusalem, but it could refer to the entire country. That the children of Israel returning from Golis and the land gives forth its fruit and its blessing once again to the land, to the nation of Israel. That's something we also have the privilege of watching, witnessing in our days. Rav Hirsch gives a fourth possibility, and that is it could be the Torah, the Torah of Zion, which is being rejected. The Torah comes out of Zion, Kimitzion, Tetzai Torah from Zion, the Mount Zion, that's where Torah comes out of, and that was what was barren. The Torah itself, the ideology, the culture, was what was, in a certain sense, seen as rejected because of Jewish history. But Hashem says there's going to come a time where it's no longer going to look rejected anymore. It's worthwhile going back to famously in Mark Twain's famous book called Innocence Abroad when he describes his visit to the Holy Land and he describes in very beautiful terms um, um, the following. He says, of all the lands there are for dismal scenery, I think Palestine must be, of the, must be the prince. Can the curse of the deity beautify land? Palestine sits in sackcloth and ashes over it brews the spell of a curse that has withered its fields and fettered its energies. This was said in the, in the mid-1800s when Mark Twain visited the Holy Land. And yet, today we witness the incredible expansion and return of life, of agriculture, of people, of culture, of Torah to the land of Israel. And this is the prophecy which we are witnessing right now. What is the expansion of the tent? What's the Mekom O'Alaich? The, the, uh, the Radak explains that it refers to the oil as Yerushalayim and Mishkan Osayich is the cities of Israel. So all of Israel is expanding, expanding as well. Whereas the Avas Yonatan, Rav Yonatan Abishitz, in his commentary on the Torah, points out over here that it refers to the space of the Migdash Shalmata. The Migdash of below is going to expand so sizably that this is the Mokom Yerushalayich. It refers to your, your, your tent, the tent of the base of Migdash. Now, why is this called Menach? Why are the waters of Noach being brought in here as an example of the covenant which is unbreakable? What does that have to do with Noach? The waters didn't come because of Noach. The waters came because of lots of sinners at that time. So the Medrash Tanakhoma says in Bereshus Lamed Zion that in fact when Avraham Avinu received note that the people of the valley, of the fertile valley of Saddam were to be destroyed, Avraham Avinu did not take that lying down. Avraham Avinu got up and fought against Akash Baruch Hu. He argued in on behalf of these terrible Rishai that perhaps they shouldn't all die. Whereas when Noach got word that the entire world is going to be destroyed because of their evil, and yes, evil they were, Noach just took it lying down. Noach said, okay, and he, and he agreed upon the command to build the Teva, but he did not protest on the sake of, on, for the sake of the world. And that is the problem over here. There is a, there is a polemic against the passivity of caring for others, and therefore the waters of Noach were called the waters of Noach because he did not care enough. There's a deeply embedded message, message over here, which is, which is being described as well. Um, why are they being evoked over here? Why is this the, the metaphor? The Radak says that what Hashem is saying is that just like when humanity emerged from the ark, Hakash Baruch promised to kill them, not not to kill them again. So too, when the Jews arrive or emerge from Golis, that sort of their teva, their ark in, um, in history, Hashem promises that it'll be the last in the time as well. And our Babadil says that there's going. It's the metaphor of there being an end to destruction, certainly an end to Golis as well. Finally, at the end of the section we just looked at, it describes how the mountains will be crushed and the hills will be toppled. Why is that being described here? The Yaros Devash, as the Yonash and Abishitz quotes a Medrash describing that the what's being described over here is that is that the mountains, which is all the places where there was sinning, will be destroyed. It's referring to all the idol worship that took place on these 
mountains, which will now bring be brought a restitution to. We move into the next section of our Torah, which is Anya Soara Loinuchama, which is the Pasuk Yud Aleph to Pasuk Yud Zayin to the end of our parak of here. Now it describes a very bit of a different tone. We hear about this poor, stormy, and um, and um, cared for a nation that Akash Baruch Hu says he's going to build up it up and pave the streets with with sapphires and, and all these beautiful descriptions of these beautiful stones and buildings that are now going to fill the place of all your children are going to be learned of God and lots of lots of peace and you're not going to fear and you're not and you're not going to be attacked and there's not going to be an attrition on your sides called any vessel or any any arms that are weapons brought against you will not to be succeeded and this is going to be the 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 nachla of Baruch Hu. so in this section just a few basics over here just to appreciate is why do we need two metaphors for the abject the, the abject state of jerusalem and its, and its and its healing it could be that the first one was one of physical restitution that's the first half of the avatar rani akara akara the second one over here ania sarah could be a spiritual um, rejuvenation, which has been described, which is why the focus over here is that, you know, the Limudei Ash and the Rav Shalom Banaich, ideas of peace, idea of learning and ideas, which is more of a spiritual idea than a physical setup as well. Rabbanel points out that if you look over here, there's three descriptions given to Israel in a pre, um, well called redemption stage. And they are Ania, which is impoverished, Sara, which is stormy, or that's persecuted, like buffeted, like a storm, and Lonochama, unsupported or uncared for. Those are the three descriptions given to Israel pre redemption. And in response, the, the three prophecies over here actually relate to each of these three ideas. So, in response to poverty, his description of how the streets and the buildings and the base of Midrash will be built of these huge stones and sapphires, and there'll be success in terms of uh, physical wealth. In response to the persecution, we now they'll have the the wherewithal to be able to study and contemplate the Word of God in peace, which is what Jews just want to do. They don't want to fight and destroy and conquer the world. They just want to have their communities. And think about God, contemplate God, and make communities which are successful and um, places uh, centered around God. And finally, in response to the the, the ignore, being ignored in God, now you no longer have to worry about those who will take advantage of you. So each of the three descriptions of Israel in exile now being reaffirmed in the description of what the redemption will look like as well. How can we say Rav Shalom? But it's it's interesting. It says that there's much peace to your to your to your to your sons. Um, the 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 this is an interesting description over here because. Um, the Gomorrah actually says, Al banayich, This refers to Talmud Chachamim. It doesn't refer just to children, but don't call them um, sons, call them Bonayich, builders. Um, so, interesting thing is, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs points out that, uh, um, in fact, there's two ways when you want to get somebody else to do something, which is oftentimes as an employer, as, an imparent, as a parent, as a colleague, we have to get other people to do things which they, don't, they wouldn't necessarily have the impetus to do themselves. How do you get them to do it? So there's two languages, two ways you could describe it. Is Bonaich, is children, you can parent them and tell them, I'm in charge and so you have to do this before the better of everything or for myself, or whatever it is in the enterprise that, we're, that we are setting out with, um, on. Um, or you can call them a build and say, look, together we need to do this because we need to build something bigger. And that's what the Gemara is saying, is if you turn to people and say that, Bonayich, you are my builders, not just my children, then Rav Shalom Bonayich, there really will be peace um, among them as well. Finally, the last section of our Torah is the beginning of Perak Nunhei, the first five, Sukkim Aleph Tahei, where the famous words are, Hoi kol tzamei lechulamayim, anybody who is thirsty, go to water v'ashel, ain't like kesev shivru ve'echolu, go and buy, the, the the bread and go and be able to satiate your hunger and your 
and your thirst. And it goes to describe if we do such a thing, as you revive yourself, I'm going to make an eternal covenant of David with you. You're going to be this teacher, this leader among the nations. Many of nations will come to you, nations you didn't know will come to you. Because you will be this, this, this sign, this, this expression of godliness in the world. What is it being referred to over here? What's really happening there? But I mean, points out that um, once physical safety has been ascertained, now we're now moving into the spiritual success of the nation of Israel. And that's why, as Chazal said, as a Muslim before Hashem adopt, that Lechulamayim, the water that's referred to over here, is not referring to the water that we, that we drink because we're thirsty, but it's referring to our spiritual nurturing, which is the Torah. Lechulamayim refers to if you want to now, if you, you're going to have a successful state, you're going to be able to protect yourselves, you'll have the blessing of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now's the time to look for the water, to be able to look for what it is that makes our culture, not trying to be like everybody else. In fact, embracing our distinction, embracing what makes us unique. And when we do that, then all the nations will turn to us. And in the words of Raya Sachs, um, non-Jews are proud of Jews who are proud of their Judaism and embarrassed of Jews who are embarrassed of their Judaism. And that's what we're trying to do, is if we are able to ascertain this, this, this security, the basic foundations of establishing a state, then the next step needs to be is the spiritual investment of who we are, what is our culture, why we're here, what message we've been carrying. And if we can move to that water in our thirst after all these years of exile, then truly the rest of the nations will turn to us. And they will, all these nations who you know not will come to you because of Hashem's name. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day and a beautiful Shabbos.